Indians and their captives were facts of bygone life in the hill country of central Texas, the rural region north of San Antonio and west of Austin. I'd spent my first eighteen years in Mason County, an area with a rich Native American past. Until my ancestors edged them out, the Comanches, Apaches, and Kiowas had hunted deer in those brushy hills and buffalo on the grassy flats below. On that same ground, Native Americans and immigrant Americans had fought some of their last, desperate battles over who would control this country. It was clear who'd won. I didn't even know where the Comanches, Apaches, and Kiowas had gone after they were driven away. I'd grown up on the cattle ranch my family had claimed as our home since Indian times. It consisted of two square miles of steep rocky hills lying between the Llano and James Rivers, eight miles south of Mason. As a child, I rode my horse past the blackened mounds of long-ago Indian camps, climbed into caves decorated with faded Indian pictographs, and occasionally found discarded arrowheads and flint knives the rain had washed up. I was surrounded by reminders of the Indian wars as well. My sixth-grade Sunday school teacher was a daughter of an Indian captive— during my high school days, my friends and I sat by the road and drank Lone Star in front of the historical marker at a rounded hill known as Todd Mountain, where a group of Indians had attacked a family and captured a white girl in 1865. On the hill where Granny Hay had lived were the foundations of Fort Mason. From that post, Robert E. Lee and the soldiers of the 2nd Cavalry had protected my ancestors from Indians until the Civil War called the army away. I was also aware, even as an adolescent, that Mason and its closest neighbors, Llano, Fredericksburg, Junction, Menard, Brady, and San Saba, had once been much more lively and significant places than the complacent last picture-show towns they'd become by the 1970s. A century earlier, this had been the heart of the Texas frontier, mythologized by countless Western movies and novels, the domain of independent cowboys and their arch-enemies, the Indians. Still, I never gave much thought to the people who came before me, not even to my family's own Indian warrior. By the time I was grown, the story of my Uncle Adolph's life with the Indians seemed beyond reach. He died at the turn of the twentieth century, and the only relatives I'd ever known who could actually remember him were Granny Hayes' last surviving children. Aunt Kate, Aunt Faye, Aunt Nett, and Aunt Mag had spent their childhood in the 1880s and 1890s with Adolph Korn. As girls, they shied away from their odd uncle who walked with a limp and had a habit of picking them up by their pigtails. They didn't understand why he still acted like an Indian many years after he came home. I wished I'd asked them about him, or at least listened to their tales more carefully. However, by 1970 they'd all died and taken their stories with them. Virtually no eyewitnesses were left. Eighteen years later I no longer had my grandmother to tell me what she'd heard. As each generation passed, our elusive Uncle Adolph receded further into the realm of legend, soon to be lost to history. I call him Uncle Adolph by way of reclamation. In our family, we always referred to him as Adolph Korn, for he was never really one of us. But seeing his grave got me stirred up. For the first time, this obscure ancestor seemed real. I wondered if there was a trail leading to his story. As soon as I got home that day, I called Julius DeVos, a local historian who catalogued Mason cemeteries, to make sure this was our Adolf Korn. Yes, that's your relative, he assured me. 
Then I asked him a question that I should have been able to answer myself. Why wasn't he buried with the rest of the family? Well, Adolf was always a little strange, explained Julius. That did it. I decided it was time to find out who this shadowy figure really was, or at least get enough information to give him a decent headstone. His story was unusual, but not unique. Dozens of children on the Texas frontier were captured by Southern Plains Indians in the 1800s and adopted into the tribes. Many came to prefer the Native American way of life, resisting attempts to rescue them. Long after they were forced to return to their former families, they held fast to what they'd learned while they were away. Some anthropologists call these assimilated children white Indians. Not all of the captives were white, though. The Plains Indian raiders abducted European-Americans, Mexicans...